guys, welcome back to the third season of The Sporting Post. Today, Mitch and I are back with our weekly wrap-up of this year's AFL final series. Week two, we do have a relatively short episode for you this week with only two games played in the semifinals. But Mitch, how good was footy over the weekend? Oh, so good. A couple of cracking games. Only one of them was really close towards the end of the game, but both of them had a lot on offer. Four really good teams going at it over the course of the weekend. Lots to talk about, lots of big performances on all sides. So yeah, can't wait to discuss it all. And we kick it off with Geelong versus GWS. So the Cats ended up getting up by 35 points, 103 to 68. The night kind of belonged to Joel Selwood from the outset as he kind of broke the club's record for the most games played in a Geelong jersey. Pretty incredible accomplishment uh, for being a member of a team with such a proud history that Geelong does. So many great players have come from there. Obviously, Gary Ablett, senior and junior, and a whole bunch of others. But as the match proceeded, it was Tom Hawkins who kind of stole the spotlight, I guess you could say. He bagged five goals and pulled down eight marks in what was just a dominant display. Really good performance by him after a relatively weak performance. He did kick two, I do believe, in week one of the finals, but a much stronger performance by him this week, and he really kind of set the tone for what was a strong performance by the Cats in general. What were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, Tom Hawkins, as you said, had a dominant display of football. He proved everyone wrong, really. He's been debated as someone who doesn't step up in final series. While he did kick five goals, I think what was most impressive was his 12 score involvements. And, I mean, we knew this before, but he just continues to be one of the most deadly forward 50 ruckmen in the comp. He set up Isaac Smith late in the third quarter for what ended up being a really important goal. And, yeah, I thought he was excellent on the day. Him and Jeremy Cameron combined for seven goals, which is looking very promising for the Cats going into what is their 12th preliminary final in 18 years. So in terms of the battle between Cats and GWS, I think the Cats showed some clear intent to get the ball flowing through the ground, take a couple more risks. There was a lot of backlash last week. You and I discussed, they really showed their age. It was a slow style of ball movement as we're kind of used to, to be honest. But I thought they were really exciting this week. They scored from 60% of their inside 50s. And yeah, they blew the game wide open with a really dominant third quarter. I believe they kicked five unanswered goals to reach a 38-point lead. That being said, no discredit to the Giants. Their intent did not waver. They remained committed to the game despite it being a clear win for the Cats towards the end. I think in the fourth quarter, they ended up kicking three quick goals in the first five minutes of that fourth quarter to cut the margin to just 20 points. Yeah, and all came in spite of the loss of Vice-Captain Toby Green, which was obviously a big point of contention and debate over the course of the week leading up to it. And we obviously discussed it on the Sporting Post ourselves. But as you kind of alluded to, they kept pace with the Cats for most of the first half. They're only down by, I think, 15 points heading into the main break. And then the Cats had that big third quarter. And from that point on, they were really playing catch-up. And they put together a minor comeback early in the fourth quarter, again, as you alluded to, but it was ultimately a lot to be. And the Cats will go on to face the Demons this coming Friday night in what will be a pretty epic matchup, we do hope. Absolutely. But there were also a couple of other points of contention during the match. Joel Selwood and Tom Hawkins... Both got themselves into a little bit of hot water with their respective incidents on Friday night. 
Selwood collected Josh Kelly with a high fend-off during the match. It kind of similarly resembled Toby Green's offense on Dangerfield that saw him miss a week earlier in the year. The difference being between the two incidents is that Dangerfield ended up in hospital with a bruised larynx as a result of that collision, whereas Josh Kelly pulled up fine. Interesting that we're kind of focusing on the impact rather than the, the intent there, but that's kind of how that played out. Absolutely. The MRO did actually quote that there was insufficient force, full high contact for both incidents. So that is for Joel Salwood. Tom Hawkins looked a little less serious. He collected Lockie Whitfield high after taking a mark. That being said, I do think it was interesting to see Joel Salwood get off with that. I know there's a whole Toby tax and we have talked a lot about Toby Green in the past couple of weeks. But yeah, it was interesting. Could have put a really sour patch on Joel Salwood's 333rd game, which is a huge achievement. Well, it really could have. Yeah, he, he should count himself lucky that it didn't kind of sour that that moment for him. But anyway, enough about that game. We want to move on to the really exciting game of the weekend, the Dogs taking on the Lions. It can only really be described as one of the best finals of the modern era. I mean, it, it had everything. It had big, big goals, big moments, key players, and it ended up being a one-point win for the Dogs. Two goals, actually, I think it was, something like that. Two goals in the last two minutes, one from each side before a rush behind ended up being the difference in the match. Pretty incredible circumstances. But there was also a bit of a bit of a worry for the Dogs. Marcus Bontempelli, the guy who just won league MVP, Players Association MVP, as well as the award for best captain, he suffered a knee injury late in the game. Didn't go back out on the ground, but insists he's okay. Obviously, it would have been difficult for him to go back out because it was very late in the contest. The club is saying that he's a chance to play, no guarantees. It could just be a smokescreen. They're trying to keep their opposition on their toes for the preliminary final. But that's what the club's telling us at the moment, so we'll have to go based off of that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. He didn't look too great coming off the ground, to be honest. He landed quite awkwardly, if you've seen the vision. He, yeah, didn't look a chance. I think there were rumours of him doing his PCL, which seemed interesting. That being said, right after the game in a post-match interview, he seemed to insist he was okay. But the club did release a statement nonetheless, saying he is a chance. So I do think that says a bit, considering they haven't cleared him completely. But as you said, there could be something in that (laughs) that they're doing there to spice up finals. Nonetheless, it was such an exciting game of football, such an even game of football, really, and the stats really reflect that. I mean, Charlie Cameron kicked three goals to back up what was an incredible performance last week, and then Bailey Smith kicked three goals on the other end of the ground for a career high for him. He's all the talk of the town these days. (laughs) Everyone seems to love him. But, yeah, I thought he's... The last goal actually was one of the most important goals of the game. As you said, the last two minutes he kicked a goal on his opposite foot and then Zach Bailey on the other end of the ground responded straight away, which was super interesting. And then Latham Vandermeer rushes a point for the Dogs, which ended up being the winner of the game. It was super interesting to see that each side had eight individuals contribute. Such an even spread, I think it's a really good sign for both teams, despite the Lions going out in straight sets for the second time in three years in a row. Mm, yeah, and the other story for, for the Dogs as well is Cody Waitman. So 
Unfortunately, he had a solid game, but unfortunately he went out under concussion protocols, which means that he will definitely miss the preliminary final. He's not by by rule, he's not allowed to compete in in that game, regardless of how he pulls up. So that's very unfortunate for him, very unfortunate for the dogs. It'll be interesting to see who comes in for him as well. He's been excellent for them since round nine he debuted, which is crazy to think he's so new to the game. But that being said, the dogs have played I believe a league high 41 players across the course of the season. So as we know, Luke Beveridge likes to spice things up. He changes their structure. He really loves to experiment and it's clearly worked for them. So I don't think there's too much to worry there on his behalf because he seems to have it all (laughs) under wraps. But they've got Jason Johannesson, Mitch Wallace, who was actually emergency, does Jamara come in this week. Mm. It'll be interesting to see him play his first final in AFL football. I don't know. Time will tell. Interesting interesting situation to put him in there. Prelim final is his first. I know. But, <laughs> I mean, they might not have a choice. I mean, I guess we'll find out. Obviously, mm. Cody Waveman's out. We, we know that for sure. And who comes in, again, is, is certainly up for grabs. Anyway, we do also have, obviously, two big preliminary finals to talk about coming up. This weekend. So the first one will be Melbourne versus Geelong on Friday night at Optus Stadium in Perth. The clubs have played one another two times this year and Melbourne came away victors on both occasions, once in round four and once in round 23. Round 23 obviously being a big story with the Ds coming back from 44 points down to win by four at the final siren, courtesy of a Max Gorn kick. Melbourne also haven't lost any of their last five matches. So they're coming in to this one in red hot form. Yeah. And the other thing as well, I guess it would be interesting to see how that dynamic of round 23 kind of plays out because for the from the Cats' perspective, they should be able to go into this game saying, okay, we know we can serve it up to these guys and get a big lead. We just need to make sure that we can close it out properly, which has been a problem for Geelong in a number of finals now. They're not known for being consistent in finals over the past few years, but who knows, maybe this is the year. Yeah, Geelong's body language post-GWS win resembled a team that was just not playing around. I think it was all business. Their celebrations weren't over the top. Chris Scott didn't even look impressed, to be honest. I think it was on to the next, which I think is a good mentality to have. As much as you'd want to enjoy your final series, they really are craving that premiership, especially after being so good for so long. But as you said, they just managed to crumble under finals pressure I think Geelong would be looking for to really suppress May and Lever their intercept marking has been outstanding this season and I think regardless of Tom Hawkins ability if they get on top of them in the defense it'll be just a complete carnage Hmm. also the midfield will be really interesting to see I think Cats would be looking maybe not to win the clearance battle but to at least suppress Clayton, Oliver and Petrarca in that midfield because Melbourne have just been excellent and super consistent this whole year. Well, they have the perfect blend of arguably the best ruckman in the competition yeah. and two of the best midfielders in the competition. So it's really tough to to do much about that, unfortunately. But you're right. Geelong's going to need to find a way realistically if they want to have a real, real chance in this. I would consider them to be underdogs and I think the betting lines agree with me as do most people. But in terms of some of the key players to watch as well from, from the Cats' side, obviously you've got Tom Hawkins coming off of a really strong performance in the semifinal, as we alluded to earlier. 
I think he needs to have another big match this week as well. I think he needs to be really at the forefront, take some big marks, kick some big goals. He's reliable in front of goal. He just needs to get his hands on the footy if he wants to be, if he wants to have an impact on the game. And I think Jeremy Cameron as well. I mean, look, he he had a solid outing in the semifinal, but he's only kicked three goals so far across the two matches. There's a lot more that he can give to this side, and I think he's going to need to give it again if Geelong is going to have a real opportunity to match. We know we know the Ds are going to kick goals and get opportunities to kick goals. Again, like we said, they've got the best midfield in the competition, arguably the best ruckman in the competition. They're going to get opportunities up forward. Geelong needs to get opportunities up forward as well, and they need to take advantage of them with their key forwards up there. Yeah, and Tom Stewart remaining out is also a big loss for the Cats, I think. I think there's actually a bit of circulation in the media that, a speculation, sorry, in the media that he will be an in. That being said, their reasoning was that, you know, he doesn't need the one crutch sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is absolutely ridiculous and I, I can't see that happening. But, yeah, as you said, I'm really keen to see Melbourne's midfield go at it again. They've just been excellent and they're definitely on the younger side. It's two really contrasting styles of football that will play out this week. Another exciting game coming off of the one-point win of the Dogs is Port Adelaide versus Dogs on Saturday in Adelaide Oval. The Dogs have had it tough in terms of travelling this season. They've actually flown to Perth. But that being said, they seem super motivated as a group and it doesn't seem to affect them clearly if they've made it to a prelim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as you said before, Mitch, Waitman's going to be out, potentially Bont. It throws their structures out, but it'll be really interesting to see what Beveridge does, who he brings in. Yeah, and one of the key battles is going to be between the key forwards for these two sides. So you've got the astronaut, Aaron Norton, and you've got Charlie Dixon. I think they're both going to have a big presence in this game. No doubt. But it's ultimately going to come down to what kind of delivery they can get out of the midfield into their forward line so they can get opportunities. and. That's where potentially not having Bontempelli is going to be a big loss for them because he's one of their key midfielders that's providing that delivery to to Norton. And with him out, as well as definitely not having Waitman, who is that second forward that, that gives them two options to look at in the forward line, with him being out and with potentially not having Bontempelli, a lot's riding on the shoulders of both Liberatore and Jack McRae as well as Norton up forward. Whereas Charlie Dixon, I mean, he's got his full cast of characters around him. He's got Travis Boak. He's got anyone else that you can name, Ollie Wines. They're all going to be there for him. So he's going to have an easier task, at least compared to what both of these two players are used to. Yeah, it will be interesting. I think both teams have such strong midfields. I think this whole final series is going to be super exciting. Played through the middle of the ground. It's just comes down to who takes risks, who manages to keep control of the game. If the dogs are clean with their handballing style, it all come down to that conditions. It's going to be super interesting, I think. Another player that's super crucial to the dogs is Alex Keith. He's such a steady force down back. Caleb Daniel as well. He had a pretty good game over the weekend. It was 31 touches despite being a late in and slightly injured. So, yeah, Jack McRae is just taking his game to another level. As we were talking about before, on the weekend, he had 38 disposals, which is crazy to say it's expected of a player these days, Mm -hmm. but 11 inside 50s, which is going to be, again, super important for this week. So they're really going to be looking for midfielders who can push up forward. He kicked a goal as well, 813 metres gained. 
I think he's one of the most underrated players. <laughs> it's crazy to think he's not getting as much recognition. But that being said, Mitch, it's been a great episode. Did you want to go over our tips for the games? As we are experts, <laughs> clearly. I think I'm going to have to go with the two favourites. I mean, first of all, Melbourne's had Geelong's number so far this year on both occasions. They're coming into it with red-hot form, whereas Geelong kind of stumbled into it a little bit, having lost in the qualifying final before beating GWS. And from Port Adelaide's perspective, I mean, they've got the home crowd. They've got the, they're the home side and they get the home crowd as well, which is a huge factor because not a lot of teams are having that at the moment, certainly not any of the Victorian teams. So I think that's going to be a big factor in this game. And I think that's going to be enough combined with the fact that they're not going to be missing two of their most essential players. That's going to be enough for them to, to get over the line for me. What about you? Yeah, I completely agree with your last one. I want the dogs to win, to be honest, but I think Port will have this one in the bag. As you said, they've got the crowd behind them. It's it's almost the advantage of a Victorian club. Their crowd is crazy. They never tear us apart. The stadium has just got such an atmosphere that I almost think is unmatched. The MCG doesn't have that on an afternoon, <laughs> you know, compared to Port's fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in terms of the first game, I think... Yeah, Melbourne deserve to enter this clash as favourites, but Geelong probably won't give in as easily. They're going to definitely learn from their mistakes, make it a good battle. That being said, I do think Melbourne will win. So <laughs> not by much, but I'm going to tip Melbourne and Port on this one. There we go. So no no, no disagreements here, unfortunately. We don't get to have a, an inspired debate. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but that's gonna, I think that's going to do it for this week in the Sporting Post. Thanks very much for tuning in, guys, and we will catch you next week. Take care.